Aaron Donald. Uh, if you know me, you know how I feel about him as a person and an athlete. Certainly one of the best athletes I've ever been around. To be honest, uh, I played with him a couple years, and I don't think anybody knows him that well. He's not exactly Mr. Talkative. But anytime my friend uh, picks up the phone when I say, hey, I got this new interview show called The Fishbowl. Can you ride out and talk to me for about an hour? And your friend happens to be the best defensive player in football in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, you you got to take advantage of the opportunity when he says yes. So, little brag here. I don't think I've ever seen him answer this many questions or go this in-depth about personal stuff. I think you'll learn a lot you haven't before about him. I certainly did as his teammate whose locker was right next to him for two years. Uh, he's a great dude. He's a humble dude. He's a hard-working dude, and you see what he does on the field. And we got this interview last summer before the 2019 season. So interesting looking back, hearing what he had to say uh, on the heels of that Super Bowl loss to the Pats. It's an hour with Aaron Donald. Not much more to say by me, but a lot that you can learn about one of the best players in the game. So tune in. Enjoy. This is a guest I'm very excited about. It's like a, a guy I've seen grow up through the through the years, but truth be told, when he got in the league, he was better than me already. So I can't. <laughs> um, Aaron Donald, two-time reigning defensive player of the year. I've recently referred to him as the best player in football. And naturally, the best player in football, I saw him pull up outside in his car. He's got one of those doors that does. <laughs> what, what's that door called? It's just the I. I. Is that a suicide door or is that a different type? I don't know what they call it. You just got it. I just, you know, nice little car. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I referred to you as the best player in football. You're probably, for, most, for every quarterback, the scariest dude in football, uh, O-lineman alike. What is Aaron Donald afraid of? What am I afraid of? I don't know. Failure? You know, I'm really not, honestly, I'm not scared of nothing like Lights Above. go off at night. Nah, see, I got kids, so I got to be the tough guy. You got to be the I tough be, guy. I'm the protector, so I can't be scared of much. But you know, if I had to say I was scared of something, I'm just scared to fail. Snakes? Nah, I ain't scared of no snakes. So no animals. I used to catch snakes growing up, so I can't be scared of them. Well, hold on a second. You used to catch snakes? Yeah. And With your hands? Yeah. Well, huh? it was, it was, in Pittsburgh, they little garden snakes. They ain't no rattlesnakes. Okay, so like, so if you're from like Pahokee, like Jank, like uh, Janoris, yeah, uh, he played with Jank, yeah. And they said they caught rabbits down there to train. So you caught snakes? Yeah. And what'd you do with them after? We just put them in like a container, put some grass, some rocks, and then let them live in like a little container. It was like a little pet. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're into reptiles, dude. We, grew, we, grew, we used to go to the, um, the creek and get the little lizards and everything. Dude, are you serious? Yeah. Like a little geologist. <laughs> like a little baby training to be defensive player of the year slash geologist. Hi, I'm Dr. Crystal Dilworth. Geology is the study of Earth's structure, substance, and the processes that act on it. It has nothing to do with snakes. Herpetology is the segment of zoology that deals with reptiles and amphibians, or snakes. So one question I was going to ask you, if you, didn't, if you didn't play football, what would you be? I guess maybe you'd be like some sort of a Steve Irwin. <laughs> See, I always talked piece. about, growing up, I always said I even want to play in the NFL or I want to be a businessman. Yeah. I just always wanted to do something to, you know, that earn some good money. So. Right. Well, you got plenty to, to start a business with now. <laughs> Congratulations on all your success, man. Uh, you know, being the two-time reigning defensive player of the year, being a five-time Pro Bowler, five for five, right? Um, batting a 1,000 there. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, you've made it. 
it's a lot of success, a lot of money to be heaped on early. Um, what's next for you as you stare down the barrel of another year? Are there, are there goals that keep you driving, numeric goals, a sack record, what else? I just want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm just grinding and do that. You know, I got to – when you make a name for yourself, I always say that it, it don't get easier, just get ten times harder. So I got to keep working, keep finding, trying to find ways to get better. Um, and, 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 I, and I didn't get that ring yet, so that's, that's what's pushing me and what's motivating me. Yeah, I mean, you talked about trying to win a Super Bowl. You talk, you talk about, you know, other individual goals in the offseason. Um, do you sit here because every time a team plays you, you're A1 in the game plan? Do you sit here and think about you're kind of playing chess because people are trying to figure you out? Do you, in the offseason, try to get one step ahead of people and figure where they might see a blind spot in your game? Do you sit there and study? Because you're one of the hardest studying guys I know. Like, what's your off-season film room process look like? I usually just break down film from all the games I played in, the good games, the bad games, the games I really don't want to watch. I just, I just study what, what I see an offensive lineman do that I felt like, you know, was my weaknesses or what they did to slow me down, what I try to, I can do to, you know, trying to free myself up or help myself to beat that guy a little faster to, you know, to make a play. So. I'm just more when I off, off season. I'm just studying myself, trying to find ways to improve something or or clean something up, some type of way. So you know, come game time or come camp, I can work it and, and trying to find ways to just keep getting better with it. So you got a new new move in the arsenal in the pipe. Yeah, I got a little something. You, you, you were talking. Talk about it went all over. It was viral. He taught me this little move for like play action stuff, some hand work to work to get on and off. Was this shock? Yeah. No, this is um, Demarcus. Oh, Demarcus. Yeah. So yeah, I saw you and Demarcus working. Um, and I'm like, well, this is some scary shit. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, already you're almost at 60 sacks, five years into your career. Um, DeMarcus is a guy who was well in the hundreds. You know, I, when I look at your career, I mean, it, it's easily attainable to think that you could be pushing up near 200. And, um, you know, that, that, that number's not everything, but it's what get, gets people paid. And you seem to enjoy the art of it. You enjoy the process. Um, you know, I watch you doing the camp stuff. I watch you working with DeMarcus. Um, I watch you working with younger kids. What is it about that art form that you, that you enjoy? Like, why are you, for a younger guy, you're so into the process? What, what, when did that start? In high school. Yeah. And I, you come in, you're you one of the good players, so you think you know it all in high school. Um, my high school defensive line coach, DeMond Gibson, uh, he played in the NFL, played in college. So, you know, my dad allowed him to coach me and say, if he, if he act up, go upside his head. Mm -hmm. And it took one game for me to say something back to him. He grabbed me up and said, man, you gonna listen to what I say. And, I, every, and that one day that I always tell him, I changed everything. Cause once I started to take his coaching, I actually started listening and learning. Mm -hmm. And I could see my game, my, my game getting better and better. And I was doing things as far as like pass rush moves in high school that nobody was doing. So um, I always say DeMond Gibson is what broke that curse for me. It's just far as, you know, learning, you know, yeah. taking it in. You, it's because you have success, you're gonna have success. But coaches and people and in, in places and have success, and and they and they teaching you things for you to learn from. So you know, I just I just taught and, and understood that you know I'm gonna listen to what somebody's saying something and trying to you know put it in my game some way somehow. So it's just it ain't gonna do nothing but make me better. So yeah, because when you got to the league, I remember we we uh, one of my biggest re regrets was not being able to stay healthy and play with you longer. Um, but at the tail end, we overlapped, and and um, I remember. I was always kind of the guy that, and I've told a bunch of people this, I was the kind of guy that like, I was bored in camp. I was like, I'm, what am I gonna do? Go back to the hotel and play video games? No, yeah. like I wanna watch a little more tape. I wanna stay a little bit longer. And it's almost peaceful when everybody empties exactly. the building. And uh, I used to walk in at eight at night, cause we'd have our one film room. Mm -hmm. 
shitty little film room um, in Earth City, Missouri, and I'd walk in, the lights would be off, and I'd be like, oh, fuck, AD's in here again. Uh, I guess I'm not watching film tonight, you know? I was like, because young guys watching film is something, and watching extra film is something you're not used to as a vet. So you were ready-made. I mean, you, you were a ready-made pro from a work ethic standpoint. You know, it's, it's unmatched when it comes to the prep and being a student of the game. The turning point was your coach, huh? Because you talk about your dad a lot, and you, your dad even, your dad called you at one point, I heard him say he was lazy yeah, at one real point. lazy. You were really lazy. I was a little chunky kid. <laughs> so I was chunky, so my dad tell me to do my chores. I, I would complain about having yeah. to take the garbage out or something. He'll leave it, it'll still be there, go upside my head. So yeah, it's thing that he say to get me out that lazy stage was to get me in the weight room. Right. And he'd say, you know, once you, you work out, you start seeing a change in your body, it just changed everyday life, and, and it really did that for me. Well, because I've seen the pictures of you at Penn Hills, uh, <laughs> and you had this epic mustache for, <laughs> you must have been pretty young, and I, you know, you, you were the kid in Little League that people were like, is it, this guy's not 12 years old, this yeah. guy's, you were, you seemed like you had that grown man strength early, but you didn't realize it, um, and, and I know that that weight room, that kind of has become legendary up at your old house was, was a big turning point as well. Yeah, just grand. I started <clears throat> lifting free weights when I was 12. So I'm 12 year old, you gotta think, waking up six o'clock in the morning, to work out as a kid, a lot of people ain't doing that, you know. Grown-ups it, aren't doing that. Yeah, so it was, it was, I always taught my dad, you know, he was pretty much training me to be a pro before we knew what he was doing. So, you know, working and keeping myself on the schedule was just normal to me. So that's why I'm like that now, so. Right. I mean, um, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, I was, I, I guess I was lazy. And um, my pops hired a guy to just basically break me, run suicides. Yeah. He was an old AAU basketball coach. I had no business being on a basketball court. <laughs> so I thought I was out there to play basketball and I thought it was gonna be good. But this guy's sole job, and I learned this 10 years later, was to make me cry or puke or the whole nine yards. And, and, that, and I, I look back at it and I say, like, where, where did I get the work ethic that carried me through 11 mm -hmm. years? It was that one moment, it was that one coach. But you, you had that weight room and supposedly, I hear you still go back there and work out. Yeah. Is that true or was that just for no, that's the, the truth. story? That's the truth. So you go back there yeah. and grind it out. Now, usually that's probably like, um, a Thursday workout or a Saturday workout. One of my days I supposed to have off, I, I go down to my dad's, you know, the basement and do, do some extra work, so. And, and the basement, and this is pretty interesting, I, I actually didn't know this about you and being your buddy, I had no idea, but, uh, you know, when you got paid, your parents are real important to you, obviously. Um, your dad, who I've met, um, tremendous, tremendous dude, and you wanted to pay him back for, and your mom, with everything they've done for you. Yeah. You got him houses, but you, you insisted that you keep the house. Right. Yeah. You keep the house. Does that house have a name or? No. <laughs> it's just the house we grew up in, and it's the weight room. So that's yeah. where the weight room's at. So that's that's more when the fella we get all together. That's that's where we all go and relax. So Aaron Donald, ultimate football machine, ultimate good guy, bought both his parents' homes when he made it. Also went back and bought the very humble, modest house that he grew up in, probably 2,000 square feet, including the basement. And this is by Aaron's description. And he doesn't use it as a party house. He doesn't use it to go drink beer uh, at or hide away. Like he uses it just to lift weights. It's a weight room. Uh, it's a flexitorium. This kid is just constantly grinding, trying to get better. But imagine being a kid living down the street and like hitting a fly ball too far and like going to retrieve it and you have that like sandlot moment. I'm not sure if AD is James Earl Jones or Hercules, but it has to be pretty fucking intimidating. Uh, to see the reigning defensive player of the year step out of his I-8 
and the door goes like this and he reaches down and he gets the ball and he hands it to you. He goes, here kid, here's your ball. And it's kind of like that Joe Green uh, Coke commercial, but it's just Aaron Donald back in his neighborhood. Uh, ultimate good guy. Makes me feel bad about myself. The, the Cowboys had the White House. We all know what went on there. We know most of what went on there. That'd be a good documentary. Um, and then Aaron Donald had his childhood home, which he's just turned into a weight room so he can get better. Is it the party spot now? It ain't the party spot. See, I would, see if it was me, I would be like, I need the weight room. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it reminds me of my childhood. But, but this, is a, this is the place that me and my buddies from back home, because you still stay tight with your buddies from Pittsburgh. Yeah. You're like Mr. Pittsburgh. Like you, you truly live, sleep, breathe Pittsburgh yeah. culture, football, the whole nine yards. I would be in there partying, especially being married now. I can't get a hall pass to go out to the bar. I'd be like, I got to run over to the house. And do some extra workouts. Do some extra workouts. <laughs> and then i have all my buddies there, and we'd, and we'd be on the porch But the drinking. thing is, it ain't in the best neighborhood, so you, okay. you, you really don't want to You're be. You're probably good in that neighborhood. Yeah, we, Are we you we saying good. I'm not good in that neighborhood? No, good, I know AD. Me, so you're going to be good. You're good. <laughs> What's Pittsburgh like culturally like? Because it's one of those places that if you're not from Pittsburgh, you don't know what the culture, what the scene is there. And you're, and you're very entrenched in it. What's Pittsburgh all about? It's just when, I, when you hear Pittsburgh, everybody say blue collar. You know, it's, Pittsburgh's tough, all that good stuff. So, you know, Pittsburgh's home. You know, everybody always asks me, why am I back in Pittsburgh? I say, that's, that's where I'm from. That's his home. They say, but you can go anywhere. I be like, but this is where it all started. You know, mm -hmm. I, I go to Pitt and I go back home because that's, that's what made me and molded me who I am today. You know, that's what helped me keep grounded. So help me keep stay, keep myself humble, keep me keep me working because I got good people around me that's gonna push me and know my best interest because they've been there since day one. So I want to be around people that, you know, that push me and get me to this point, and, I, and I'm not gonna stop doing what got me to where I'm at now. Right. So I'm gonna continue to do that and, and, and be in a city where I was born and raised. That so is it a thin line? Um, because I live in my hometown. Obviously, Charlottesville's a little tougher than Pittsburgh. You know, it's, it's more blue collar. <laughs> it's it's more of a dangerous place. But I'm good there. You'd be good there if you I'd want to come to Charlottesville, fly some doves or pigeons or whatever <laughs> I need to do to let people know that you're good. Uh, but I mean, Pittsburgh to me, you, you go back a lot. Is there a thin line between trusting people but also hanging around where you're a big target? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and how do you walk that line going back to your hometown and and whatnot? See, I got a small circle, so I don't really. You know, I don't be around with too many new people. And, and, and the areas I be in, the places I be in, ain't, ain't a place where, you know, I'm not in, a, in I'm not gonna be hanging in neighborhoods I know I ain't supposed to be in anyway. Mm -hmm. Even though people know I am, and they, but you don't, you don't never know what everybody's intentions is yeah. and what they thinking. Some people might smile on your face and in the back of their head, they saying, I'm, I'm gonna get him some way, somehow, you know? So I keep, my way, I keep myself away from all that, so. Everybody's got an angle. You got them. You, yeah, you, you're especially right. now, you especially now that you way. got paid. And that's the thing about like what I always tell people is like what's different for us is, you know, our salary is online. You can Google yeah, what exactly. you made. You can Google what I made. You know, people know if we worked, if we were bankers or we worked on Wall Street, chances are, you know. But that's the worst thing because somebody call you like I get some money. You can't be like I ain't got it. I go, I yeah, just go. Exactly. You just, they just signed this. You got to make up another bullshit. I just can't do it right What's now. What's your go-to? I don't want to spoil the go-to. I'm gonna you tell you. I'm, I'm, this is I say I just invested some money in some stuff and I can't I can't lend the money out right now. I just threw a bunch of money in this business. So, and I can't so do. when I hit you with a Ponzi scheme and I get the and I get the uh, hey you, I just invested some money. I'll know it's you, bullshit. You know that it, I just. <laughs> That's a no We got to work. You need options. You can't just do the same one over and over. You but, have to have like so, a chart. If it's a high school buddy, if it's a coach, if it's an old teacher, yeah, like you, but if I, 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 like I don't mind helping somebody if it's somebody that you know that, that been there. But 
you usually help somebody once they're gonna keep coming back like all right can you help me one more time okay, one so more time gonna be one is, more time the key is you just gotta help one time <laughs> so if i <laughs> you know the reason i brought you here is i fell on some hard times and i noticed hey, that your no car way, I know has you a door lie. that does this which <laughs> i know you lie i know you lie okay <laughs> So you go to Pitt. I mean, you're the ultimate hometown guy, and, and, and we've talked about Pittsburgh before. Um, you know, you, you're you're the, the youngest player, youngest person to give a million dollars to Pittsburgh. Um, you're you're basically synonymous with the university right now, and that's a that's a university that's that's had their national championship kind of heyday. Um, they've had Hall of Famers come out of there. They've had you know in, in the modern era a lot of great players. What does it mean to you to be kind of like the face of Pitt? I mean. Um, it's good, but I, I don't do it for the attention. I just do it, you know, it was an opportunity to, you know, do something for a school that, you know, gave me a chance, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> for me to help them, the upcoming football players in the future, you know, that that, that was a no-brainer. And then on top of that, you, you want to put my name on a building. You know, that's that's a legacy you're leaving behind. You know, yeah. when it's all said and done, I'm, I'll be dead and gone one day. You know, my name will be on, on, on front of that building. So that's the thing that's surreal to me. You know, just for me wanting to help you know, the future football players and the kids, you know, by doing that, you're leaving a legacy behind that's going to be there forever. And what's so, in the building? Everything? Yeah, just a whole lower floor with a weight room, locker rooms, training room, you know, it's the Aaron Donald Sandwiches? They got huh? sandwiches? They got, no, it's the lunch room's upstairs. The lunch room's upstairs, <laughs> that's not covered under the no, Aaron no, Donald no, umbrella? Just the downstairs. Okay. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I've said this before, Pitt to me is a really – Again, blue-collar program, tough. They've had their, their years where they were 10-win type team. Um, now, I mean, they're in this transitional – you played for three head coaches there. Yeah. Uh, you like the coach there now. Um, why is it that they churn so many great pros out? And I don't mean this as a slight, but the program's just pretty good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's just the, the culture that come with Pitt. Pit. You know, we all, it's going to be different coaches, but I feel like the culture stay the same. Yeah. You know, it just – Hard work, and you always—they always got people in there and coaches in there that's that's gonna push you and, and help you not to just be a great football player, but a great person off the field too. So, you know, there's, there's guys that's gonna follow that trend, and it's gonna this will be your, your bunch that's not, you know, and the, the bunch that that's following that league and then doing everything they're supposed to do and, and doing it at a high level. That's the guys you're gonna see at the next level having success. So, a lot of respect for Pitt football, rich history, great players in the pros right now, including Fitzgerald, uh, Donald. Um, Shady McCoy, a whole bunch of them, and won their half of the ACC last year, which is really good, but it's a formality. You kind of go and get your ass kicked by Clemson at this point, at this juncture in the ACC. So uh, 2014, I was not thinking about Aaron Donald draft night, and evidently a lot of GMs weren't either. He fell to 13, but if you didn't get him in the first 12 picks, you probably kept your job. One of the best first rounds, uh, if not the best, this century. Star-studded 15 through, you know, first 15 to 20 picks. Guys like Clowney, Mack, Shazier, Donald, Kyle Fuller on defense. Uh, and then offensively, you had guys like OBJ, Mike Evans, Taylor Lewan, Zach Martin. I'm probably missing a few, but a lot of studs. The one thing this draft class didn't really have was quarterbacks. Uh, there's probably two guys who you can consider franchise quarterbacks right now, and Derek Carr and Jimmy G. Jimmy G's got the best record out of any of them, but I think uh, most people are accepting that Derek Carr is the best quarterback out of the group. There were guys like Manziel who were out of the league. There's guys like Teddy Bridgewater who have become spot starters in situations like New Orleans right now who's doing a great job. Uh, and then there's guys like uh, Blake Bortles who had his moments in Jacksonville and is now kind of a backup in LA. 
Draft night, I wasn't thinking about Aaron Donald. I was thinking about Jadavian Clowney. Rams picked two. Uh, I know they liked him, and he's an alien. I'm a mere mortal. He would have taken my job. I would have sat on the bench. So I was really happy the Texans came to their senses and picked Jadavian Clowney. Uh, second pick, Greg Robinson fell to us, became a good buddy of mine, and I took a lot of his, of his money playing pool. So it all worked out for your boy. Uh, no harm, no foul. Has L.A. been a culture shock? <clears throat> um, no, it was. See, I'm used to L.A. now. You know, yeah. this, is, this is my second home, so I'm, yeah. I'm comfortable here. I'm loving it, so. Well, because you you grew up in Pittsburgh, and then then you spend two years living in probably St. Charles. Where'd you where'd you live in St. Charles? <laughs> lived in St. Chuck, <laughs> over the bridge in St. Louis. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love St. Louis, and and, yeah. and they they never get enough love. I mean, so shout out to St. Louis, even for guys that they see prospering now. It's hard not to like you or like Todd, or yeah. you know, I know it was tough to lose the team, but um, when you come to L.A., um, what's the hardest thing about the move? I mean, personally, there's obviously issues, but but as a team, I mean, you guys, the facilities, a challenge in the first place. It was. It was just a lot, you know, a lot going on in a big city. So much, so much, you know, being pulled here, being pulled there. So from being, you know, like you said, Pittsburgh and St. Louis and Pittsburgh, that's similar. And then, you, and then now L.A. It's yeah. like, you know, this is, this, is, this is where it all is at. You know, this is a big market, big all that. So you get a lot of opportunities and things like that, a lot of crazy going on. So, you know. But you guys, you guys work out of like a, you guys got like some tents and, and stuff, like your <laughs> weight rooms and is, <laughs> no. is it, is no, it, what's the deal with the, when you first got here? They though, got it was, a temporary spot. It's, it's, it's actually nice how they got it set up. It's not the, our main spot, but it's nice. It's in Thousand Oaks. Yeah. It's a nice setup. We got, you know, two big fields out there and all that, but. You know, it's a good setup, man. Everything's smooth now. Yeah. You know, we got the, the stadium about to be you done. You drive by that stadium and kind of daydream. I just, I just um, went there and checked it out. What I want to say last month. What's it looking like? Ridiculous. Yeah. Like when I say, you, I just, you really can't. You got to see it. Like it's not even done. It just, it's gonna be something special, man. It's gonna be crazy. Speaking of special, uh, the next ten years for LA is 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 huge. I mean, with all the, now you've got LeBron, you've got Kawhi. You've got the Rams playing in the Super Bowl last year. I think you got the Olympics coming up, um, new stadium. It's kind of the place to be right now. I mean, it was the place to be before. Um, but I guess the biggest question is: Is are you a Clippers or a Lakers fan now? And I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to hear any <laughs> switching. You know, next year when the Clips are you know 15 games ahead of the Lakers, I don't want to hear any bullshit that you're a Clippers fan. So let's put it on record. See, I'm a LeBron fan, so I'm. A, I got to say, I'm a Lakers guy. Okay. You know, so I, I'm a Lakers guy. Okay. I like this. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the Clippers, the Clippers, that 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 mentality that they have really fits you. To I mean, like everybody plays defense. Pat yeah. Beverly's hardcore. Uh, you know, Kawhi, he doesn't say shit. He's yeah. a lot like you. People try to figure him out. They don't know what he's yeah. thinking. Uh, I just would have pegged you as a Clippers guy. Just, like I really don't. Honestly, I don't watch basketball. I, I watch the playoffs. That's about it. But yeah. I'm just like I said. I'm just a LeBron guy. That's you met I, him. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. Yeah, you guys, you got him in the phone book, and you guys are. No, nah, I got him on the phone book. Though. That's that's a that's a tough one to because like you meet somebody like LeBron, and you're like, you're like, yeah, yeah, we're cool, but you don't want to be that guy. Like, Let, let's exchange info. Yeah, no, nah. you know what I mean. It was, it, like, you know, everybody you meet, you ain't gonna get their number. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he just no more guy at the end of the day. Well, you guys are kind of the, the to me that you're the. You're the Kings of LA right now. I mean, like to me, you know, and Ka Kawhi just just joined that that company. But um, where do the Rams rank? Is it like is it like second fiddle to the Lakers? Because it is a Lakers town. It's not a football town per se yet. 
but it's getting there. I think it's a football town. You think it's a football it town? It is now. Okay. It is so you're now. making it a football town it's again. It's a football town now. I like it. What's the, who's the coolest celebrity you met that knew who you were and was a fan of you? You know, the, the, I've met a lot of people, a lot of greats. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this one person because I grew up always loving the way he played, the intensity, the, the passion he played with the game. I met Ray Lewis. Oh, yeah. So I met him, I want to say, two years ago. We was at a um, Super Bowl function, I think it was in Minnesota. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm in there. He walks up to me. He said, what's up, Aaron? You're like, I said, what? Another Aaron? Ray, no, I'm like, I, I would never imagine that Ray Lewis would know, know my name before I even get to introduce right. myself to him. So for me, that was like, wow. Yeah. You know, that was a surreal moment for me. I almost like, to me, that was crazy. Yeah. You know, because I grew up watching that guy and, and seeing all the passion he played with. And even though I played D Lyman, I wanted to play like Ray Lewis, you know, right. him, with that passion and that, the way he was just greedy with it and, and hustled and made every single play for him to come up and, and know who I was before I introduced myself. I was. I was blown away That's by that. That's a pretty good one. Um, you talked about being underappreciated, slighted at times. You've talked about that before. Three stars coming to pit. Not that rivals or your high school rating <laughs> means anything. You know, you slid in the draft relative to some other defensive players who they're not you. Um, a lot of it's height, right? I mean, a lot of it people were like, hey, six feet or whatever. It's you have challenged I'm the six one. You six six one. <laughs> That's good. Six one in shoes or six one without. No, I'm six one. It really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> that bank account is ten feet tall, and you've got twenty and a half sacks on a single season. So, um, but but what is it that you felt like people were were not seeing in you, or even leading up to the combine? My size, my yeah. height. It was that's that's normal. Everybody gonna have a you know they. they Able to have their own opinions. Yeah, you know, because even in college, the NFL, it's it's your investment. You know, you they invest into you in the college to give you a full time scholarship. They paying for that, so you know they they want to make sure the players they getting is the right ones. And sometimes they might. It's a good investment though. You know, for whatever I don't know what a the scholarship to Pitt goes for a year, but I mean the return was like a million dollar facility. So yeah. <laughs> That's a good investment there. But, you know, it come with it. They, they, everybody, you know, they, they only think because I was a 6'1 and 260 pounds, probably couldn't hold up with them bigger guys, them guys that 6'5", 330, 320. Yeah. So it, it's all right, buddy. My thing is, when, some, when they said that, I, it, it didn't push me and make me feel some type of way. It just was like, I just ain't, I guess I ain't good enough. I got to get better, you know, so well, I just got to show them. I feel like in college, it's, it's a little easier if you're a three-star to overcome that than it is to be a low draft pick, which you weren't a low draft pick. Yeah. I mean, you were still a high draft pick, but, you know, guys in the pros, they got a lot more to overcome. So now maybe down the road, there's a, a guy who's 6'1", who's 280, who you've changed the perception of what his career might be. Have you thought about the fact that you have challenged that prototype and you've, you've challenged the status quo, and you're going to pave the way for other players. Yeah, somebody was talking to me about that, and that's the thing that's, that's crazy. Um, you're opening up doors for other guys that's the similar body types. But, you know, I always say, if you can play, you can play. You yes. Know, it don't matter how, what size you is. If you go out there and you put it on film, there ain't much they can say. What they're going to keep saying is they're going to try to find ways, but it's, it's right there on film. They're seeing it. They're seeing the success. So, with, <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, got, I mean, you played in – you played in nearly every game of your career, going back to Pitt. You're durable. Um, I think the, you might have sat a game or two in the pros because you all were resting people or whatnot. Yeah. Um, you don't need training camp. <laughs> uh, but you, you've proved all these things out that you're talking about to be. And another thing is, like, listen, like, you're 6'1", but your arm length is 
really solid. Yeah. So you have length and you're shorter. I think that if I'm looking at D tackles, I've always said this, why the fuck do I want somebody, I'm not saying somebody 6'5 can't play, yeah. but I'm saying like, why do I want a guy who can't play with leverage and you're gonna get all enamored with his height? Look at his arm length, yeah. you know what I mean? Look see, at the explosion, see, what we, would you look for? I always thought defensive ends were supposed to be the tall guys Longer. as growing up, and I always thought the interior guys were supposed to be the shorter guys. I feel like the leverage is a plus for a guy, interior guy going against a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", because you, you got the leverage off rip, they got to turn to get down to you. So you already got the end leverage with the, the pad level, then you hand placement, everything. Just all you all you gotta do is working on. It's all about getting on and off the guy to, to get to the backfield. That's the main is to make the play. And so much of your game is predicated on scaring people with that leverage. You know, like the you know, when I watch you, you're setting all your stuff up with the fear of that bull, that mm -hmm. helmet right under the chin. Mm -hmm. Um it's almost like it's your strongest attribute, I mean, along with a bunch of other stuff. But you grew up watching who? I mean, who was your, you know, if you're looking for a comp, it's harder to find when you're a six-foot-one guy today in this height, this height-crazed league, you know, where these personnel guys are like, yeah. well, you got to be six-five. Who'd you watch? See, I ain't just watch the defense. I've watched everybody. I watched guys like Paul Amalu. Yeah. I was a Casey Hampton fan. You know, his tackle for the Steelers yeah. just because I played D-line. Um, you know, back then when I was a little younger, Warren sat watching him play. Yeah. So it wasn't Ray Lewis. I, I watched everybody on yeah. defense. I didn't just watch defensive linemen. I watched linebackers. I watched safety. I just watched everybody play. The guys that was making them splash plays, like mm -hmm. Palomalu jumping over the whole line, jumping on the quarterback, making sacks. I was, that's the guys that I, I was in tune to and I wanted to watch, you know, them guys making them, them big-time splash plays. Who, um, who do you like watching now? Defensive linemen? Yeah. I like Fletcher Cox. Fletcher's he's amazing. a bully, man. And you guys couldn't be more different, yeah. but you're 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 just the two best. I he's mean. just he's just so strong, like the way he just can pirate and like. And then he got technique. They don't understand. He got he got, got technique, technique with him too. Got a lot and of he's strong, like unbelievable strong. And then he got tech, a lot of technique. So that's crazy. He could play end. I mean, it's the same thing with you. When you yeah. used to get out there in Greg's defense, mm -hmm. Greg Williams. And you know we'd do that odd stuff, and you'd go out there once a practice yeah. and rush. We us DNs would be like, "Fuck it, <laughs> fuck this guy." <laughs> but Fletch could do the same thing, yeah. and 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 um, he's super impressive. Two best defensive tackles on the planet. Obviously, Fletch is coming off surgery, uh, getting healthy again. Aaron is absolutely rolling in LA, and you know they're two different players, two different body types, uh, guys who respect each other immensely, which is really cool. Uh, Fletch is more of the throwback. Aaron's more the new age kind of guy who's breaking the mold, giving younger guys who are undersized hope. You might have never seen him on the field in the 80s or 90s. Um, Fletch is a guy that would fit right in with that Philly defense back in the early 90s, the D-line specifically, uh, and Jerome Brown, Reggie White, Clyde Simmons. He looked just perfect trotting out uh, through the tunnel at the vet. And he's probably the best D-lineman that Philly's had since then. I'd give a shout out to Trent Cole because he's a legend, uh, but he's certainly probably the best D-lineman since that group and probably the best defensive player since Weapon X and Brian Dawkins. I mean, just even being compared to, you know, to a guy like to Aaron, two-time defensive player of the year, um, I mean, it means a lot to me. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm an Aaron Donald fan if you really ask me. Um, so I might go and watch his tape uh, and got a lot of respect for the guy. You know, uh, we always talk about, you know, ways to get to the quarterback and that's ways to make us better as D linemen. So, um, you know, I wish they do the best of luck this year and uh, go get them. You're a student of the game. You watch, who's an old lineman now that, that you watch and that you've played that you respect? I mean, you don't have to like him. See, I, I, don't, I hate giving offensive linemen credit. 
Yeah, you got to um, do it here. <laughs> I really don't know. Because I feel like I don't get enough one-on-ones to really be like, this guy, I'm, I'm always, I'm not, I'm, I'm being honest, I always get like double teams or triple or horse last for, I don't really get the opportunity to, to get too many one-on-ones to really see, you know, how good a guy really is. So, uh, I feel like all of is good. I'm going to give him credit. So basically, you don't want to give an O-lineman any credit. Was you, you took 60 seconds to tell me that fuck O-lineman, I'm not giving a single one credit. <laughs> not even my brother. I ain't never go against your brother. Oh, you haven't played when we, when we played on my second year, they paid him at tackle then. Oh, they did? Yeah. Yeah. So I ain't really never go against your brother. Kyle, you're off the hook. What's one game, because I know like from, from experience when I played with the Eagles and when I played with the Patriots and we played each other, um, I'd listen to just how much they were talking about. What's one game where you were like, Jesus, this whole, this whole game plan, it's like I'm getting slide pro, chip, yeah. they keep a back back there. I've seen people do things in protection. For you, yeah. like, is there one that you're like, this isn't even? The Patriots, um, the Eagles, um, the Saints, even the Bears had a nice little game plan. So I feel like it depends, man. You get a, get a lot of attention, but some teams give you a little bit more than what you expect. Yeah. You know? And it's a, it should free, it free up other guys, but – they make sure that your game plan is that whatever they do, I'm gonna let this guy take a chance. I'm gonna take, give him a chance to get this one-on-one, but we are gonna take him out the game. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It get frustrating after a while, but it, it come with it come with the territory. And, you, and you're already like, listen, for for people who don't know and who haven't played with you, they should know by watching. You're a violent player, and I mean that as a as a compliment. Like to me, it's one thing to set your mind to being violent, <laughs> but to be able to go out and athletically do it too. Like there'd be games where I'd be like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go kill somebody. Yeah. This game. I'm gonna go fucking destroy somebody, and then I get out there and try to run, and I'm like, God damn, I'm 33 years old. <laughs> Has the tornado kicked in yet? So you have the mentality, you have the ability. Where, where's your mind the night before a game, the morning of a game? Are you anxious? Are you are you angry? Are you relaxed? What are you? The night before the game, I'm relaxed. But before I used to have, you know, get them jitters and like. You keep thinking about the game. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I just, you just more nervous because you want to do good. You know, I, I'm never nervous or something. I just nervous that I just, I want to do my job and I want to do it good. You know, so in the mornings I usually just wake up, FaceTime my kids, talk to my kid, you know, hang up, take a shower, be in a shower about 30 minutes, talking mm-hmm. to myself, get myself amped up, just talking about what I'm gonna do. So I'm, I'm real weird like that. I talk to myself a lot to try to, you know motivate myself and, and just, you know, tell myself what I got to do. What's the first thing you say to yourself when you wake up on a Sunday? Do you say game day, game, game day? Game day, game day. And I jump, and I promise you, and, I, and I'm jumping <laughs> up, smacking my chest, and I'm, and I'm like, well, I'm just, you think about it, I'm weird. So, of course, the, the, the story for people who don't know is we, we shared a, a coach who had impact on both of our careers, yeah. uh, Mike Waffle, who we used to butt heads with <laughs> all the time. You know, me and Mike, we used to fucking, you remember, yeah. it was like we, you, some days you'd be like, they hate each other. Yeah. But I love the guy, and he taught me a lot. But one thing he used to always say was, when you wake up on Sunday, you're game day, game day, game day. It's the first thing that should come out of your mouth, and you really do it. Yeah, I do it. Hi, Chris and Aaron. I woke up for 41 years on Saturdays and Sundays, and the first thing that went off in my head was, game day, game day, game day! What else did you learn from Waff? Um, I learned a lot. You know, I I always tell people this story. Like, when I I got there as a rookie, you know, I was in there watching film one day. He came in, caught me watching film. And he came, he was writing stuff on the board. He was just talking to me. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be coaching. I'm going to be saying a lot of things in this meeting room. I'm a rookie. I ain't played not one game. We, we in OTAs right now. 
I'm going to be saying a lot of things in this meeting room. I don't want you to listen to nothing I say. And I stopped watching film. I said, huh? He said, I just want to learn you. I just want to watch you play. Mm-hmm. I want to learn from you. So for me, as a, as a young guy that never played one snap, for you to hear your defensive line coach pretty much giving you freedom right away to just go out there and play, I feel like that, that's what made me feel much more comfortable, just like, shh. Yeah. You're like, I ain't got to try. I'm going to just do me. Yeah. I'm going to just do me. And if I mess up something, that he just said, if I mess up, it's on me, just play. Well, the way we played was attacking. Everything was you do things three yards in the backfield. If you get three yards in the backfield and you beat, you beat somebody to a spot, yeah, exactly. you know, to each his own. And, and, and that's a big part of it is like, and I see you at the camps and we talked about this is you love the, you love the technique. You love mm-hmm. the art form. I could see you coaching. You'll have way too much money to want to deal with that bullshit when you're done. <laughs> but I could see you coaching and, and, and that's, a, that's a compliment because I could see you really passing that passion on to younger players. But one thing a lot of coaches forget is every player is not made the same. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of coaches get these techniques that they want to push on players. Like if they told me, hey, go, go watch Julius Pepper's tape. I'm like, what the fuck am yeah. I going to do with that? I love, I, I'll enjoy it. But there's nothing I can take from it. So giving you that freedom, you know, which moves work for you? Everybody in that, in that group we had was different. Yeah. You know what I mean? From a technique, from a physical One thing standpoint. I got down was that he, well, Wolf taught me was the chop club. Yep. And I used to do the, you know, Rob Quinn did that chop yep. club all but the I time. But I couldn't do it to save my life. Yeah, and, I, and that's when I, I started watching film on, on Rob a lot, do his chop. That's why I got the jump chop now. I, I took that from Rob. Yeah. Just studying his film over the years, and I, I got it. But just studying, it's just, for me, learning pass rush moves is just repetition. You mm-hmm. know, you got to, like, always, the high coaches always say, slow to fast, slow fast becomes, becomes smooth. Smooth, smooth yeah. becomes whatever. Yeah, but that, it's really like that, though. That's yeah. honest. You, you walk through stuff, and then that's when, you, in practice, you're trying to work it. It might yeah. not, it's going to be, it's not going to be the right way. You just got to keep doing it, keep working, and keep practicing it. And don't be afraid to fail. And, and don't it. be afraid and to fail. And that's the hardest it. part in the D-line, O-line culture right now, because you, you turn on the, the internet, you turn on the internet, it's not old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you log on to Twitter. Yeah. And you see videos of camp culture and like the one-on-ones. Yeah. Everything's one-on-ones. And when you get into one-on-ones, some players who don't have clout are afraid to try things. Because mm-hmm. if you get embarrassed, they're afraid to lose. You're afraid to lose. You, but it's, it's, you're, going, you're not going to win every pass rush move. Nope. But if, but as long as you win the morning, what you lose, you just got to trust your moves. You got to right. trust the process. You got to just trust what you're doing is going to work. That's all. More it is. coaches need to free. Would you say that more coaches need to free their younger players up to do? What, what suits them. Yeah, but everybody's different. I feel like they should give them freedom to see what, what, what their strengths is and their weaknesses and, yeah. and, and, and work from there. Because like you said, a lot of like, you can't teach a lot of guys the same moves. Everybody ain't got the chop club. Everybody no. ain't got the swipes. Everybody ain't got the same power, power moves and stuff so like that. I feel so stupid trying the chop club. But, but every now and again, you hit it. And you yeah, do. you hit it. That's, listen, you, that's you, a you, move. I, you hit some chop club. Yeah, I've seen you hit some listen, chops before. Yes, I have. See? It, see it, but you, you just the viewers it. out there, I still got it. I <laughs> so, so is there a move that when you hit that move that you feel like, you know, that was sweet? Like, you know what I mean? Is it the chop club? Is it a spin? Like, what is it for you? For me, a hump? It's, it's, it's a little bit of everything. But I like, I like the chop. The chop, is, the chop club is... I feel like that's the that's the that's the speed rush. That's the rush that's bang bang clean, and you gonna get free. But as a defensive tackle, to get that quarterback when he's not looking, you know. Right. Chop club, beautiful move when it's executed. Chopping down on a low hand and getting the back shoulder to get by the offensive lineman, or you can just drop them on their face because they're leaning so hard because they're afraid of the bull rush. That's what Aaron Donald does. Seen guys like Jared McCoy hit it. I've seen guys like Robert Quinn hit it with regularity, but nobody hit it with more regularity. Uh, then the technician, one of my favorite players, 
OCU Manura. What's going on, Chris? Your man, OC, and we're going to talk today about the Chop Club. But it's not just the Chop Club, it is the Freeze Chop Club. The freeze is very, very important. If you just Chop Club, the guy's just going to push you on by the quarterback, and that's no good. But if you do the freeze, what this does is it gets the offensive lineman to stop his feet for a millisecond, and that gives us, the premier athletes that we are, the chance to come around the edge. So you come up the field, you step inside, and as soon as you step inside, most of the time, the offensive lineman is going to be bracing for a bull rush or an inside move. So he's going to stop his feet, and then you come over the top with your left hand and pull yourself through with the right hand. But it's not a one-two. It's almost a simultaneous move. It's a one-two. And as soon as you do the one-two, the chop club, you got to turn your shoulders to the quarterback. If you don't do that, you're going to go up the field. So you come in, you step in, chop club, and you're on your way to the quarterback, man. Best move in all of football. Most people aren't using this anymore, man. But you guys know all about that, don't you? When I came in the league, everybody was a puncher, right? Yeah. I don't know if you notice this, and I don't know what they're doing down a guard anymore, but a lot of guys went to low hand, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that was the answer to low hand. And a lot of times now they're pulling, they're pulling their punches, yeah, that's, right? That's what a lot of they, I feel like a lot of the online coaches is teaching that, not to get your hands, to so get how do, right so away. So how, how do you defeat that? So if you're doing a chop and he pull, you just gotta, it's, it's more of a, now you go to your counter move, whatever your counter is. Sometimes it'd be power, power on the power, power pop, what Waffle just said. And, so. and, and I think, yeah, power pop, apex. Yeah, see, but, but that, them was real moves that if you think about it, it's all about getting to the back of the shoulder pad. Get to the back. Once you get to the back, you you be office lineman all day. And I see you do this stuff all the time and I'm like, I wonder if he's thinking about what Waff told him, a little bit of everything. And I, and I still, honestly, I still go over Waff's house, and he and Waff would tell me, like, you need to do some more of this. He really, yeah. he still coached me, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I really, I still listen to yeah. him, and he, I still go visit him, and he'd tell me what he think I should do, and I go to practice, and I, and I practice that. So. But it is, but it is, most rushers, they plan things too much. I don't know about you, I would get in a game, and I'd have a loose plan. Yeah. But you got to be ready to hit the curveball because you might watch a guy on, on film and think you can you can bowl him super easy, but he's got a better anchor yeah, exactly. than you think. You're right. You know what I mean? Yep. Or um, you, you got a guy you're like, oh, I seen all these slow guys get his edge, but I can't get it for yeah. some reason. You have to have curveballs. And another thing is, within a play, you need to have that second move loaded in the chamber. Mm -hmm. And you do that really well, the sack against the Lions. Yeah. You're ready for the second guy in slide pro. You're ready for you miss with the chop. You're going to power. Yeah. You know, is, what's your prep process in the week? What I, what I learned from just, well, I study the guy. So if I'm studying the guy, obviously, like you just said, you, like, you might see a guy that's doing low hand all through film. You're like, I'm going to do this chop club all game. And then you play on and now he's a puncher. So a guy, they, they switch up sets and things like that. But it, it's going to come to a point in the game, they're going to go back to what they know. Mm -hmm. And that's, then that's, that's when you start seeing that low hand a lot. Or, Especially when you put that helmet in there. You know, and then you switch it up channel. with them too. So it's, it's, for me, pass rushing ain't nothing but counter moves. It's, it's a counter on the counter on the counter. Mm -hmm. so, so if I go chop club, I might hit him that first chop club, and then he's trying to pull that hand back. But, but him, push, and him swinging that outside hand back and pulling it back, what he's doing, he's giving me the edge. Mm -hmm. So I, I might miss it. I might just go to a rip and beat you on the edge from just you giving which, up the edge. Which us tall guys can't, so I didn't have that. So it, it just, for me, pass rush moves ain't nothing but counter. It's just, yeah. you know, you, you have a plan, you know, for a third and long, a, a, when you, a, a down you got to go get it. And sometimes it's just, you know, you're going to work power and, and work off that. So yeah. it's just counter moves. Rob Ninkovich was talking to me because obviously when I got to New England, I'd never been in the playoffs. Yeah. I didn't know what it was about. He was like, listen, this Super Bowl thing is cool, but if you lose a Super Bowl, you, you might as well have gone 1-15. In, in fact, I'd rather. Rob Nikovich here. Want to talk to you a little bit about losing the Super Bowl and how it is absolutely terrible. 
And I'm going to explain to you why. Well, you have two weeks to prepare for that game. I played in Indianapolis, the awesome city that is. A great venue for a Super Bowl, nice and warm in February, right? Um, playing the New York Giants. Mentally trying to not think it's like the biggest game of your life, but it's the biggest game of your life. And when you lose that game, which I did, you absolutely have nothing. You have a bag full of shit to remind you shirts, t-shirts, hats, that you lost that game. And what are you going to wear that around? Like, yeah, I got a cool hat from the Super Bowl and I lost the game. Oh, what hat's that from? Oh, the, the Super Bowl that I lost. Cool. What was the score? I don't freaking know. I throw all that shit away. I don't have it. I don't have my AFC championship ring. I gave it to my dad. I said, melt this shit down, take the diamonds out, do whatever you want. I don't care. Getting back to the Super Bowl loss. When you lose the Super Bowl, it's the worst feeling in the world. I would much rather be in Aruba, having multiple drinks on the beach, not having the stress and the depression and the thought of, I just lost a Super Bowl. I was off sides. I jumped off. I don't know. I missed a sack. I was able to get back and we won. Great. Now I can, now I have hair because of it and I don't look like uh, terribly um, obese or have depression issues. Losing the Super Bowl sucks. I don't wish it on my worst enemy. And yeah, I would rather not go than lose. Thanks for your time. See ya. What would you rather do, go 1 in 15 or lose the Super Bowl? <coughs> Like, I, after we lost, I said, I'd rather not have been here at all than, than lose it, you know, because it was tough. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know, it, it was tough. So I was I was definitely down a couple, like, at least two weeks off that. I still ain't finished. That's the only game I ain't, I ain't watched yet. I still ain't watched the Super Bowl yet. So, you know, you, to, to get that far to, and be that close to being a world champion, man, and, and to lose the way we lost, you know, a lot of people keep trying to say the offense, the offense. But it's a team game, you know. If we was if we yeah, if we played great on defense, they wouldn't have scored no points and we could have won. So. Yeah, you're always thinking, man, one more turnover, one big play, and I know how you think. Was there one play and you had to deal with a lot that game. Yeah. I mean, as far as attention and, and game plan. Um, I can hear Bill probably in the mean room like, We're not gonna let Aaron fucking Donald beat us. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like he would say that all week. Um was there one play you, you told Sue that drives on me? Was there one play in that drive where you were like, ah, if there was an inch different? I just didn't win my one-on-one -on -one clean. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I was, you know, I was getting a lot of tension, a lot of tension, and then you get your one. You don't and get. You're almost you, not ready for it. But it, there's no excuse. You're I right. got. You can't. I can't rush and think and keep thinking. I'm gonna get a double team. I gotta. In my head, I gotta say I'm gonna get this one-on-one -on -one every time. Mm -hmm. So I won't second-guess myself and to the point where I could have beat that guy easy. If I would have just did did what I know and trusted mm -hmm. what I you know my moves and, and instead we gave Tom Brady that much more time to sit back there and throw that ball down the ground to catch that ball yeah. right there so and he and he gets the ball out quick but that time he held he, it a little not long, that time he, but it's the same thing you're talking about like it's like when you play a team that their timing predicated a lot of bubbles or quick throws or RPO stuff like and then you get that one chance yeah. on a seven step. And you're like, fuck, I wasn't ready. Exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's the thing about when you get a lot of attention. You can't let yourself get frustrated. And during that game, I let myself get frustrated at times. You just got to keep playing. It's going to eventually come. You just got to play, 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 and, it, and it's going to come. For, for me, I felt like I, I let my team down because I'm there, and they, they expect me to win the one-on-ones to help them. So I, I could have probably beat them and got the ball out. You never could have made that one big play to change the whole game around, and I didn't. So Yeah, I have a feeling we'll see you again on that stage. 
you know, you talk about frustration. How do you channel that to be the violent player you are? Because, listen, it's no secret, like, when you step between on those white, over those white lines, like, you're ready to fuck somebody up. And, like, at the drop of a hat, like, it could go south. Yeah. How do you walk that line? I mean, there's only been... There's legends of you ripping somebody's face mask. <laughs> You're so strong. You ripped a guy's face mask off his helmet. Like in, you turned him into like George Blanda with the old fucking helmet. With him. I'm not gonna get it whether or not you you struck him with it, but uh, you know, you had one instance in the Seattle game where I thought very rightfully so. You went a little. You you were going after my man. They were just doing stuff all game. How do you walk? How do you walk that line? You know what I mean? Like from being violent and playing, and then what are the situations where you're like, fuck that? Like, well, you got. I shouldn't have did that. I should have been smarter. I disagree. But, yeah, but it, you got to because you, you you consider a leader on your team, so you can't show as a leader. You can't show you know that type of stuff because that's they throw flags and you hurt your team doing stuff like that. But it, for me, it's just. Like, they, I, they, I, they was doing stuff all game, little dirty stuff all game. I was telling them, y'all better, like, you know how I am. Yeah. So I'm, and yeah, you get a couple warnings. <laughs> like, and then they just, and then I'm running out of balance. Hit me in my back. That was just, a, that just I just blacked out from there. But it, I, I got to be better. How do you? I don't really, it's hard. It, yeah, it, how do you, how do you, how do you say, listen, because somebody does something dirty, they're fucking with your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. Like, I got like, this is my job. This is, you know, you, we all love playing football, but at the end of the day, this is our job. This is how we feed our families. And you doing something, you don't know what can happen. You know, you could have did some stuff that I could have never played football another day in my life. You don't know that. Yeah. And one play can change it everything. It can change everything. That's what I'm saying. And for you to hit me in my back like that, it was just, that's why I blacked out how I did. Yeah. was like. You're midway or a quarter of the way, whatever you want to be, you know, through a great career. Um, God willing, you play another 15 years. You told your dad when, when you got your big contract that he could hang his cleats up. First off, has he really hung his cleats up? Yeah, they hung up. Because he doesn't seem like a guy that deals with sitting around. No, he, he work out and do something, but him and my mom, they, they, they relax and, and, and feet's all kicked up. My so, dad's cheap as hell now. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's rich now and now he's cheaper than ever. I don't get it. I'm like, all right, go ahead, man. But, Good for him. You know, what, are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to, when you hang your cleats up, I know it's early, but what's next? I mean, you know, what's 10 years down the line? Like, are you going to just, are you the type of guy that sits around? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to just sit around. I'm, I'm um, getting some more, some real estate and, and some stuff for my brother. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to wait more to do that when I'm more hands-on with mm -hmm. it and just focus more on football and I have too much floating around. No There's movies? No, no movies right now. At least they want me or something. You're so. in the right place for it. <laughs> but, you know, um, I definitely won't be able to sit around right. at all. So I'm, I'm definitely going, you know, real estate and if the movie's called, get in some movies or something. Maybe the Hulk, the Hulk 5 or something? You know, you know. What's the, where, where you know, are we on the Hulk? I got some muscles now, man. What, you get some muscles? I got some muscles now. I know, I got, man. I need, now. I need some of this uh, protein that you got. <laughs> no protein, just weights. I just really? weights. I don't take no protein. Will you send me your program? Yep, I got okay. you. Okay. Let's go through a quick, uh, a quick lightning round of questions that I had for you. They can be quick or you can expound on these. <laughs> um, another purchase that you want to make. When you get when you sign your next big contract, as a purchase, something big, man. I feel like I got everything I want, though. You don't have a yacht. I'll get a no. I get a jet. You get a jet. A jet. Okay. What kind? Do you know yet? I don't know the jet's name, but I'll okay. get a jet. You don't know the jet's <laughs> name. 
Um, shit, I already asked you if you an O line me the best O lineman you've been against. Let me change the question and see if you'll answer. That Again, question. I can't answer that because they <laughs> double team and triple team me, so I don't get enough one on ones. Okay. Say that. Most underrated player on the Rams roster. Oh man. Um, Michael Brockers. Hands That's down. Love. No, hands down. No, I know. Brock been doing it a long time. And I he's feel a like, vet now. Yeah, he's in, he's the he's our he's our run stopper. He's the one that help yeah. everything go around and make. But so I yeah. think Michael Brockers. Okay, is I love that. What music you listen to on uh, game day? Is it uh, Skelly Whistle? <laughs> you remember that? You yeah. said the name right. Now. You said it right. But listen, me and better. him catch up a lot. He said, Skelly "Come to Whistle. Pittsburgh." He told me I have a pass up there. It wasn't. He said, "Don't uh, worry about. It. I got a better pass." He said, "He got you." Yeah, he got me. <laughs> I listen to a little bit of everything. Um, a couple of Pittsburgh rapper Hardo. Um, whatever's playing in the locker room, I really ain't got no favorite type music. Anything that can get me amped up and, and get myself going, that's what I'm listening to. What uh, What's your favorite road city to play at? Road city? You talking about stadium? Yeah. Um, Hotels. Scenery. I like Seattle. That's, I like Seattle, and we always be Seattle up there too. So, so it's special. It's, for you it's always real it's like, loud, and somehow get real quiet at the end. So I like it's, that. Yeah, well, it's funny because uh, I never won there in eight <laughs> years, <laughs> and then and then uh, when we were getting good, right before they were about to cut my ass because I couldn't move. Okay. <laughs> that was the first year we beat them. Yeah. Todd's rookie year. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Late in the late in the season. So, and now it's a regular occurrence. So I like to credit the the tough the tough years we 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 were we were coaching you guys up to do it. What's a position you would play if you weren't on a D tackle? If you could play any position, running back or linebacker. Okay. What's a sport you would want to play if you didn't play football? Sport. Soccer. Soccer? No, I'm lying. That's too much running. Baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Why? Cause I got, they, they make more money than you They make you a lot of make. money, and they really ain't got to be too conditioned. Speaking really. of these contracts, these guys are getting paid. In what the are they? <laughs> I thought I thought we had it decent. No, nah, they. And it's guaranteed. All guaranteed. That's the thing. Is that, okay, so that one thing you want to see change in the next CBA. It was as far as money-wise? Anything. Any issue in the, in the NFL that you want to see. I feel like we should be. Players should be paid a little up there with them guys. I understand, but I feel like the, the punishment we take, it's a, it's a small window, that's probably why, but you know what I'm saying? I just, yeah. what we out there doing, man, I feel like we deserve it. Yeah, so, we, I, I sure think we deserve more guaranteed money. I'm 100% sure I, I agree with that. Just because I was saying something on social media, they had um, Tom Brady and somebody, I don't know the basketball player they had up, but. It was probably like it wasn't a, a, no disrespect it wasn't, to any no name, disrespect, but it wasn't a big name guy. No. They had Brady making like fifteen million. He was making like seventeen. Oh, million dude, some of these guys that got paid. A rotation and, guy and, and I'm not a pocket watcher. That's yeah. the one thing in the league is like there's a lot of pocket watchers in our league yeah. and around. Like it's the one thing that's funny to me is like when you get in the league, the, the older guys they tell you don't count pockets and don't hate on anybody. Yeah. But there's a lot of hate. So we're not hating on the NBA guys, but just some of these guys are like six-man type guys. Yeah, exactly, and I only said that because I seen something on Twitter. I was just going through it and I looked at it and seen it. And I was like, that's, that's pretty. One and Tom the, takes a discount, yeah. but still, I mean. He's the Michael Jordan of football right now. Is he, is he the best to ever do it? He, for me, he won six Super Bowls. 
six. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that's a, that's a, that's impressive. Yeah. For you to find a way, and he's how old is Tom Brady? Forty. I mean, he's forty, almost forty-one two? years old. Is he four? What 43, is he? 44? 42. 45. Holy shit, he's forty-two. And I think he can play to. How many more years does Tom Brady play? I don't know, I'll set, but he's, I'll he's set been the f- over under at three. Are you taking the under or the over? Over. So you think he can play four more years? I think he can. Just because he just, you got to think, he just won an MVP two years ago. He was 40 when he won an MVP. Yeah. yeah. And then just won another Super Bowl. Won two Super Bowls back to back. Yeah. So. I mean, listen, when I was in, when, I mean, he was a quarterback. You probably don't even remember Y2K. Do you know what Y2K is? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, you don't know what Y2K What's is? Y2K? So, so dude, <laughs> this is just an age thing. This is great. When, when, when it became 2000, like in 1999, like in the winter, they were all worried about like when Y2K, when 2000 happened, the new millennium, all the computers were gonna crash oh, okay, and the world okay. was gonna end. So he was a quarterback in like 2000. He was, if you look back at the things that were going on when he, was, when he started out being a quarterback, it was like, a, it was like two decades ago. Yeah. So. I mean, the guy has won a Super Bowl. I mean, and if it weren't for the Atlanta game where we where we won a couple, it would have been a decade, like basically yeah. apart from winning their last Super Bowl. So the guy's been unbelievable. I mean, he's been tremendous. Now, the the question I had for you that I think I know one of the answers would be, if you could pick four guys in a Mortal Kombat situation <laughs> in the NFL to take with you, another three guys, and you had to go in a dark alley with three guys, who would it be? Just, just, just hand-to-hand combat. What fighting? Yeah, fighting, whatever. Will Hayes. That was the one. I, I would take Will Hayes because Will, Will's low key crazy, and he gonna talk. He could talk low about key crazy. Stuff. Yeah, he's crazy all the way crazy. I keep crazy. <laughs> he thinks dinosaurs never existed. I think he's lying about that, and he said he believed in mermaids. He believes in mermaids. But don't believe in dinosaurs. Did he slam you on your head? He wanted me to ask you about that. Listen, I wish we could FaceTime Will right now. My rookie year, I'm going to tell you something. My rookie year, you know, Will always mess with everybody. Yeah. And we was in, a, in the back of the equipment room, and he was talking and talking. So, you know me, I wanted to, I like to wrestle. Yeah. So I grabbed him, I tried to wrestle back. I get him to the ground, get him in a headlock like this. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm done. <laughs> Listen, this is the true story. I'm not lying, I promise you. He get up, he said, see, man, I'm too old. You can't be doing that. You know, we're right. He said, yeah, yeah, you're strong. I ain't gonna mess with you no more. Yeah. Then he walks out from the behind, the, the walkout and say, yeah, you do some mess, I'm gonna spend you like that again. He's a liar. You and so like lying. him, because I called do. him right before and I said, what were some good AD stories that we can talk about? And he, he, he all the stories involved him beating you up, just shit he was making up. So William Hayes, uh, one of the strongest men I've played with, pound for pound, Aaron Donald would be another, and they've squared off. Now the, the details of that clash are conflicting, but we've heard from Aaron. I want to give um, William an opportunity to have his day in court. Not that I'm necessarily going to believe it, but I wanted to get that out there. Um, I will warn you, he's not a great producer, not even of cell phone footage, uh, selfie videos. Um, he didn't know how to flip the camera. The background here though is that William is a schoolyard bully type in an NFL locker room. And I don't mean that in a, a demeaning way. It wasn't like he made people feel bad, but he always wanted to wrestle. He wanted to assert his dominance as a Greco-Roman wrestler. And in high school, let him tell it, he was a four-sport All-American, one of those being wrestling. And I think he would have probably been a pretty imposing kid to line up across whatever the fuck they call it, the octagon with his leotard and the little helmet. 
Um, I think it would have been intimidating, but when you're in the pros, there's a lot of other badasses, and some of them are rookies, and you don't know whether or not you should try them. And I think William found out the hard way, but let's see what he has to say. If AD was very honest with you, and I'm pretty sure he won't be, he will tell you that he got his ass balled up really bad in that back room. And uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy and them actually had to pull me off AD. Um, at this point in time, we knew we had something special, and I was just a, a career backup. So uh, that being said, if I hurt this motherfucker, it's a good chance I could get my ass shipped up out of there. So um, I kind of hopped off of him. Um, he walked out there all pissed off and mad, and you know, you know, trying to huff and puff. But you know, nobody really give a damn about that because I knew, I knew what I just did to him at that point in time that there's no way this kid could ever, he'll ever even consider trying to put his hands on me. So that's when I knew at that point in time, I'd already kind of uh, snatched his heart out of his chest and, and that's what it was. Heart out of the chest, you heard it from William. Don't know if I believe, oh, yep, there's one more cell phone video. He couldn't just do it in one. It was me doing, being who I am. And that's a uh, full blown killer. <laughs> But if I was in my, uh, if I was in good, healthy, AD knew what time it is, man. Because uh, I honestly, I, I need, I really want to try him again to see, see what, uh, see what he's talking about, man. I see all these muscles and shits, man. I, I want to test him. I honestly do, but that's a whole nother story, man. Uh, I've had enough of that. Um, first things first, I think that story is total bullshit. If I'm the arbiter, I'm giving the edge to Aaron Donald. Second thing. Um, why does it take you so long to park? Third thing, it's not raining. Why are your windshield wipers on? Fourth thing, clean your car up. Fifth thing, next time I get you to like send me a selfie video, can you flip the phone around and just park and get out and record it? Anyways, um, I'm giving the edge to AD. I'm sorry. Is there anybody in the league that can beat you up? And fire? Yeah. As a man, I can never say another man can beat me. <laughs> okay, that's all I want to know. Can, can your dad still beat you up? Yeah, only people I say can't, I won't, I, I won't fire them, but the people I always say can beat me is my, is my dad and my older brother. So your older brother, does he have the older brother psychology thing on yeah, you? Yeah, because that's the only person that used to beat me up. You know, so that's I, it. I took a lot of L's from that's my brother it. growing up. So. Yeah. Well, good. I believe it. And uh, thanks for joining us, AD. We appreciate you coming out. Two-time defense player of the year, hoping it's three-time and Hopefully you get a ring soon. You deserve it, my man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, bud. Thanks for coming through. Yep. So that was a lot of fun for me to do. Obviously, as I mentioned, I had never sat down and talked to Aaron for that long. I mean, I've been in meeting rooms for countless hours with him. We've made plays on the field together, although, in my opinion, one of my biggest regrets was not playing with him longer. But a guy that opened up. You, you get him to sit down. You ask him some tough questions, some personal questions, and he's very open if he trusts you. And, uh, you know, I was really thankful that he sat down and opened up a little bit to a former teammate. And, uh, you know, this year was tough for him. Um, I think he's been a victim of his own success. He's so great that he has a double-digit sack season and people look at him like he's fallen off. You watch his tape, he's still the same guy. I know he's going to come out 
uh, with his hair on fire. The team struggled this year. You know, maybe a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover, but the defense played well in spots. I'm excited to continue to see Aaron dominate, and that includes this year. I mean, I, I would have loved it if my down year involved getting 10-plus sacks. So thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. And next year in this series, we'll have DJ Premier, another great interview, uh, somebody who's more talkative than Aaron, but somebody who's as good as Aaron Donald in his field, uh, legendary status. So look out for that. Thank you.